Marini's Media. Neil Warnock wants one last dance. Graham Wesley's got his running shoes on, jogging all the way to the foot of League Two. And Owen Doyle misses Swindon even more than Sam Parkin does. It'll be Salop versus Salah in the FA Cup. And you can mark an X on your Kyle Lafferty transfer bingo card. All that adds up to an utterly typical week in the EFL. Yes, welcome again, one and all, to your one-stop shop for all things from the never-anything-but-bonkers world of the English Football League. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. New Year, same lame jokes and tedious references to the two-time European champions from me, I'm afraid. The good news is, though, that I've got a full-strength lineup of panellists chomping at the bit to get stuck into the whys and wherefores from the Championship to League Two. First up, you might know him better as an experienced dynamic CTO and program manager with a rare mix of management and technical operational skills, specialising in software development, cloud computing, mobile telecoms, platforms and app development. But only if you're into turning data, documents, processes and transactions into compliance-ready, immutable, unhackable, proof and provenance chains for ISVs and enterprises. For tactics and stuff, you're far better off listening to this Adrian Clark. Good morning, <laughs> that was It was very long-winded, um, but I applaud you. It's somebody on LinkedIn called Adrian Clark's bio. You're right, it's, it's too long. He needs to chop it down a bit. Uh, alongside Adrian, I was going to write my own intro for him, but instead I'll just lift what somebody going by the name of the Duke of Banbury put on the comments section of an interview with the Swindon advertiser. Uh, Hanky's at the ready. It's a real tearjerker. Fantastic footballer, fantastic guy. My eldest lad was named after him and born in delivery suite number nine. He signed a picture, presented me a bottle of bubbly, which still sits proudly in my boy's room. I still have his signed shirt. Never forget the day he left us. I was in tears. Not many players would venture into the CG Hotel, thank the fans and say goodbye. Uh, The freedom of Swindon awaits then for Sam Parkin. That's very nice. And that was an incredibly moving time when I went into that pub after my last game with one of my best mates still gets talked about to this day well i looked at all the comments under that article by the way and they were all fulsome in their praise of you if you ever need a little ego boost just google that <laughs> it's not somewhere you'd go for a nice drink on a uh, friday evening the county grand hotel I'm, I'm i'm sure it's seen some things over the years <laughs> you're a good you're a good lad aren't you really yeah, yeah. Bless i'm impressed you. by that oh and also joe crilly is here hi joe good morning good morning to you Right, let's play the Warnock Wheel of Fortune. Uh, Neil is 12 matches shy of reaching 1,500 in charge as a manager. He says he wants to get back in the game this season, partly because, and I quote, we're doing a bit of renovation at the house in Cornwall and it'll be finished at end of season. Um, where do you think he could end up? Not many vacancies at the moment, Sam. He says he doesn't mind going down to a, a League 2 club. Do you think there's anybody in particular he's got his eye on? I've absolutely no idea. No, not me. It's, I've a, not, it's a weird one. I've not given it a second thought. I was going to say, you know, he's obviously been a, a specialist in getting teams into the Premier League, but remember him doing that wonderful job at Rotherham a few years ago as well, where keeping a team away from trouble. So, I don't know. It depends what type of challenge he wants or whether he wants to say, stay maybe closer to home down in the, the southwest. But yeah. it'd certainly be probably an asset to... Any team, maybe maybe not in the championship, trying to get a team out of that level anymore. Maybe, you know, that ship has sailed. Yeah, he's not been afraid to, to go anywhere in the country, has he? The, the, the one team that stand out to me, and I hate, hate doing it, that needs a new manager, in my opinion, to save them is Luton. Um, so so that's, that's the standout choice for me. But Luton's players don't seem like Neil Warnock players. The other names I jotted down 
Birmingham, maybe. Uh, Bristol City, possibly, if they were going to make the change with Lee Johnson. And, and before the weekend, you might have started to think about Ipswich you know, with, with, with Paul Lambert. He's been linked with that job before. But, but you're, you're right, there's no obvious standout Roll for Neil Warnock. He, he wants to get to fifteen hundred games, doesn't he? So it's all very selfish of him. <laughs> I'm sure he'll do. I'm sure he'll do a great job whenever he does get back in. So the managerial market is kind of quiet. The transfer market, meanwhile, busier than. There's a busy market. The one on Portobello Road in, in Mary Poppins. That was quite busy, wasn't it? Another Mary Poppins reference, not quite as good as last week's. Uh, some moves that have caught the eye. We're a bit late on this one, but Owen Doyle back to Bradford. Uh, just want to know on this, Sam, obviously you were with, with Richie Wellens on Saturday. Uh, that's one angle to it, but I'm interested in what the Bradford players would have thought about his return. Would there have been a little bit of resentment maybe because he was quite public in the fact that he didn't really want to go back or are they players pragmatic enough just to say well this guy can score goals to get us yeah I think they are I think they'd be delighted to have him back they'd be watching on and, and, and been jealous probably not having him as an asset in their side It's it, the, the quandary is whether he can fit into the style we know um, that they've got Vaughan who they can obviously hit probably a little bit earlier in a attacks and they like getting the ball wide and, and delivering using the, the, the wide players. So obviously it didn't work at the weekend at Crawley. Swindon won handsomely there uh, not so long ago. He got a hat-trick, I think, on that day. So it, we're going to have to wait and see. I, I understand Swindon tried to keep him. Of course they did. They made some kind of an offer to, to keep him at the club. But I think that was rebuffed and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts scoring goals for Bradford and, and maybe he has a a future at that club over the next few seasons. It can potentially turn around for him up there, I think. And from his perspective then, Clarkie, he's just got to try and shake off the disappointment that he's gone back there quickly and realise that, you know, this is the club that have essentially been paying his wages, all the bulk of them. We're all assuming he's disappointed, but... Of course, he wouldn't have wanted to have left Swindon where it was working so beautifully for him. He was on the verge of smashing all sorts of records there. So, so I understand the frustration, but it doesn't mean that he's absolutely gutted to be going back to Bradford. It's a great club, big, big fan base. He he could propel them towards the automatic places. They're definitely in the mix, aren't they? The Bantam. So, so no, I, I wish him well. Sam's right. Players want the best players in their team. So obviously, some of the strikers might be thinking. Oh, my chances of game time have suddenly uh, been shortened, but but you've got to get over that. You you want the best players available, and they had to do it. If Bradford did made no attempt to bring Owen Doyle back, then then their fans would rightly question their their ambition. A mm. couple of Chelsea players on the move uh, to get an opinion on uh, Sam Mark Gurr. He's somebody who you and I have watched a lot of at academy level. He's gone to Swansea on loan we like the look of him and again it's Steve Cooper making the most of his connections from his time at the FA it's kind of logical one I suppose yeah absolutely and he's shown that he can step up comfortably when he's got minutes in the Chelsea first team so yeah he's probably one I'd have looked at and made the comparison with Tamori maybe a season or two ago and and thought that he had more potential and had less of a mistake in him Tamori's been exceptional don't get me wrong and it's going to be already is a a top player but this boy's got a load of potential we had Steve Cooper obviously on the show last week talks a lot of sense and getting the band together Brewster as well and obviously Conor Gallagher heavily linked in the last 24 hours I'm disappointed for the Charlton supporters because he's been sensational for them it's going to be an enormous loss for them do I see Swansea getting in the promotion mix probably not Probably not, but I think 
in terms of a fit, the way that they play Swansea and that they play one sitter with two attacking midfielders at the moment in a 4-3-3, I think he slots into one of those roles absolutely perfectly. So when you look at the way the teams around the, the, the playoff set up and the, the teams going for automatic, I can understand why he would flourish in that system. Yeah, uh, we've had a tweet from from Ollie Glanville, Clarky at the Totally Show. If you want to get involved in this, asking uh, where do the chaps see as the best fit for Conor Gallagher? Uh, Matt from Peckham adds, get him to Forest, please. Uh, but <laughs> Millwall's the other club that's been mentioned. Yeah, I, d- I don't see it as a natural fit at Millwall. That they're playing a three-four-three at the moment, aren't they? And that, and that I think would would not necessarily extract the best from from Conor Gallagher who, who likes to to break from deep and if if you've got two central midfielders in that system it's harder for them to do that so so now I think Swansea's a great fit because he will know Steve Cooper's other young players there yeah they're, they're obviously looking to replicate the derby model from last season aren't they Swansea in terms of getting the cream of the crop from the Premier League teams and see how far it can take them what, what, what's the logic here with with taking him away from Charlton and then taking him to Swansea. Is there an issue between Chelsea and Charlton? What, what are they unhappy with? I, I'm, I'm just a little bit sort of at a loss to explain why. If Conor Gallagher had been loaned to Leeds or West Bromwich Albion been a promotion push, better players around him, I get that. Or even to a Premier League team. I don't understand the logic here. No, I don't think anybody knows at the moment exactly what the reasoning is. I suppose, you know, they've been very low on numbers and it has been a struggle the last few weeks but he seems to have been enjoying his football he's certainly been flourishing I think it would be even bigger bitter pill to swallow if he went to um, Millwall one of the rivals as well but I think you're bang on there Adrian because even if he you know he could play a free role behind a a central striker but Jed Wallace is doing that Mm. they're playing a the 3-4-3 as you say so I don't know where he fits into that system if he plays deeper it'd be alongside Malombai who's another young kid in his first season really playing regularly so the Swansea one on the face of it is a better fit but yeah I'm, I was a little bit saddened I have to admit because I thought he you know to stay the season at Charlton have been great for his development well while we're talking about Charlton they've had a, a bid accepted for Marcus Madison not gone through uh, at time of recording that one uh, that that will soften the blow a bit of Gallagher going but it's a Big old blow for Peterborough's chance of promotion, isn't it? I know he's not been in yeah. great form of late, but... Well, they've all, all the big boys up top for Peterborough have, have levelled out, haven't they? And you do wonder whether the January transfer window has had something to do with that because they've all been linked with other clubs. So have they taken their eye off the ball? Potentially. Marcus Madison is, is a real talent, capable of the spectacular. We know that. Great dead ball technician as well. So, so that it's like for like, I'd imagine that they've lined him up knowing that Conor Gallagher was, was going to leave. So, no, look, that, I think, would, would work for Charlton. So, uh, and I wish them well. But, yeah, for Peterborough, it's, it, it's upsetting, I guess. But they've just spent big money, haven't they, on the Barnet player. So, so they'll, they'll, they'll survive and thrive again, I'm sure. Clark, a couple of Arsenal youngsters who've come to the EFL to get your opinion on. Emil Smith-Rowe to Huddersfield on loan. Tyrese John-Jules to Lincoln on loan. Smith-Rowe had that loan in Germany last season. Didn't work out for him, so this is a big move for him. Yeah, I, a year ago, he was on the verge of becoming a regular in the Arsenal first team, but he's been plagued by injuries. So he's a real talent. I like him as a, as a footballer. He's just short on fitness at the moment and short on a little bit of confidence. He's, he's seen other players younger than him or his age overtake him in the last 12 months. He's a little bit of a De Bruyne in terms of style. He's a good technician, 
runs with the ball, excellent deliveries. I think it, it's, it's a real coup, actually, for Huddersfield. And, and once he's up to speed, I think he can make a difference. He can become a match winner. He'll break into the box a little bit like uh, Gallagher did for Charlton and, and, and score goals. And he'll he'll put quality into the danger zone for the big strikers and for, and for Carlin Grant. I'll tell you what, Carlin Grant will be pleased about Smith-Rowe's arrival. Therese John-Jules is, is another player of promise. He went on the tour with the first team in the summer and scored a few goals. He's rough around the edges, strong, powerful, better suited to League One than a, than a Smith-Rowe. So, and, and actually, I think he will, he will fit in quite well with Lincoln's style. So, so yeah, it seems like there's all change at Lincoln at the moment, doesn't there? Uh, Bruno Andrade, of course, moving on. That, that's an interesting one, that is, because he, by the sound of it, has wanted to run his contract down and, and has accepted an offer from Salford that, that dwarfs anything Lincoln can give him financially so that tells you where Lincoln are at the moment compared to to even clubs in the division below yeah and uh, he was good for Lincoln in League 2 last season Darren Randolph has moved uh, to West Ham from Middlesbrough Billy Clark was the player who Ian Holloway was talking about last week he's gone to Grimsby from Plymouth Kyle Lafferty from Sarpsborg to Sunderland. Uh, Sunderland announced this one with the tweet, he's seven foot and he plays the flute. Apparently they didn't realise that that is a reference to a sectarian chant, uh, which Rangers had about him. Good old football Twitter feeds. Always worth digging up the quotes from the Palermo owner, Maurizio Zamperini, after he booted out Lafferty. He said, he's an out-of-control womaniser, an Irishman without rules, someone who disappears for a week and goes on the hunt for women in Milan. <laughs> he has two families with six children. He never trains. He's completely off the rails. On the field he's a great player because he gave us everything he had and more in terms of his behavior however he's uncontrollable my coach told me he cannot sort this player out so he has to go um (laughs) sam david priest uh, of this parish uh, was very critical of the tweet and rightly so but also critical of the transfer i was amazed to see that lafferty's 32 he's had more clubs than tiger woods yeah, there's some really good stuff actually from uh, Gareth McCauley on it as well, former uh, Northern Ireland captain and obviously one of his his teammates. I played against Carl Lafferty, obviously north of the border, and watched a lot of him at Rangers. And he's undoubtedly a player with a lot of talent, but I think yeah, you kind of have to build around him, the the, the team first and foremost. But I think also the manager has to allow him to. Um, maybe have a couple of misdemeanours. Uh, there's a lot of baggage that comes with him. I don't understand it, considering how well Sunderland are going at the moment. To have someone who's been a disruptive influence before, someone who is brilliant once in five games, once in ten games, it is not going to shoot Sunderland up the table. They're going brilliantly at the moment. Maybe he mirrors a little bit what White gives them. He's probably got a bit more to his game, but... At the moment, they seem to have found a formula which means they're not just lumping aimless balls towards a central striker. So, seems like a strange one. I'd be surprised if he he, he gets many goals, to be quite frank. Mm, So, all those players on the move, but not Jared Bowen yet. He's still in the Championship, and that's where we're heading next. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. Championship headlines, Leeds losing to their former manager whilst West Brom couldn't take advantage, drawing 2-2 with Charlton. The Baggies now winless in five. Thomas Frank signed a contract extension at Brentford till 2023. His B's outstanding of late. They've narrowed the gap on the top two to six points. And Wayne Rooney's Derby County sure know how to score goals. Half away. 
Oh, Dwayne Holmes! Oh, what a hit! What a marvellous goal! Dwayne Holmes' first goal since March is well worth the wait. A magnificent goal right on 90 minutes. Well worth a look at those. Yeah, didn't feel good saying that, to be honest. Leeds nil, Sheffield Wednesday 2. Gary Monk won at Ellen Road. That's Gary Monk, former Leeds manager, current Owls man. Gary Monk's troll game is unrivaled in the championship, by the way. Ask Grant McCann, he'll tell you if you can plug his phone in to charge it to text you about it. Nil-nil, <laughs> uh, <laughs> same old story. Leeds having all the chances, nothing happening. And then almost inevitably, this did. New you into Jacob Murphy all alone. Oh, but Murphy scores! And Wednesday lead with three minutes left in normal time. Oh, lovely pass for Adam Reach. And he's got Nuiu in the middle. That settles it. Atty Nuiu stepping off the bench, making one and scoring the other. Those goals you might well have heard and seen on the EFL on Quest. So if we were to be dramatic, we'd say things like, it's happening again, and run around in circles with our hands flailing in the air about Leeds, like Michael Scott. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! Wait, 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 wait. Everybody calm down! We wouldn't do that. None of us support Leeds. If you do, we're thinking of you. Barry Casty has tweeted us to ask the question we're all pondering. Are Leeds going to mess up promotion again Adrian it's the old uh, or quickly becoming championship trope Bielsa's team second half of the season lose their steam it it is isn't it yeah well they're in danger of it aren't they they've got to stay strong mentally haven't they now and not panic that's the key and I also think the board need to act and they need to knock their heads together with Bielsa and his team and say right what do you need to get us over the line that this is the time to show ambition not to sort of sit on their hands and and hope that history doesn't repeat itself. I still think they're they're a great team. I still think that they should go up. The one or two tweaks I'd make. I think they're better with three at the back. I don't know what you think, Sam. I've looked looked at it, and it, the four one four one works works. It's by and large works well. But all five defeats have come when they've played that system when they've started that. I think it's become a bit predictable for opponents to to read. When they go with the unusual three at the back, I think that they're fluid movement can confuse and flummox certain teams and and I know that we've spoken about this before when when an opposition team puts up two strikers Bielsa instantly goes to three at the back I think that's what he, that's what he likes to do I think Bielsa needs to needs to sometimes veer away from from the norm because it's become easier to read and I was looking at you know I love a stat and it feels like it's a myth, you know, about Leeds. Blow- we know it's not a myth that they blow up in the second half of the season. But of late, it's, oh, f- if it doesn't work for them in the first half, then they're done for in the second. That's not actually true. They've scored 29 second half goals, only 14 in the first half. So, so it's not something that's plagued them the whole campaign. So, um, no, I think they're going to be all right, Leeds. But but they have to really be careful and 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 regroup mentally here because it could start running away from them, especially with Brentford on the charge. Uh, Sam, surely one thing they've got to do this month is get some backup for Patrick Bamford. They had Nketiah. He's gone back because he wasn't playing. I know he likes to keep his squad small, but you know he, you can't rely on one person to, to get you promoted. No, it's a big issue. Che Adams seems to be the, the one they want, but Alex Crook, uh, the yeah, Southampton expert for TalkSport, has said that 
there's no way that's going to happen at the moment. Phil Hay, uh, who covers Leeds United for the Athletics, seems to think there's still some room for manoeuvre. So he would be a tremendous sign-in. The problem at the weekend wasn't really wastefulness in front of goal. It was actually a lack of creativity. Mm. No guilt-edged opportunities missed at all. You know, I was keeping my eye across the game. There was a couple of chances, I think Harrison and, and Bamford, but the creativity a bit of a problem. So Hernandez returning off the yeah. bench should really solve that. He's their most creative player and he will be once again. But I, I think the midfield's been an issue. No for sure. Robert's missing as well. It's meant Dallas has had to play in there. Uh, it's just upset the rhythm uh, and the, uh, the trusted formula. Uh, and defensively, the stats don't lie. They've conceded four set pieces since the middle of December. This is incredible. Casilla conceded six goals from the last seven shots that he's faced in the last three home games. Blimey. And not had a clean sheet in, in six games. So the wheels have really fallen off in, in that regard. A bit of a problem down the left-hand side as well. We seem to have been saying that repetitively. Mm. Alioski again coming into the, the, the game the other day and that's when they conceded, when Douglas wasn't on the pitch. So I think when they give the ball away because of their enthusiasm to get forward, sometimes the balance is just not on and they're getting picked off. You saw that with the Sheffield Wednesday yeah. goal. So. Cooper got done for pace, didn't he? So, yeah. yeah, that's why it's maybe the three the three at the back might might just spread the, spread the load a little bit there. But... But yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I agree completely with what Sam's saying. We ought to give some love to Wednesday because they actually mm. won the game. Very, very streaky at the moment. Not necessarily the best recipe for, for promotion. That do you, do you think, Sam, they can maintain a, a playoff place? It's going to be tricky without Stephen Fletcher for a couple of months. Yeah, well, they, they need a striker as well. We went with Winnell the other day and knew who coming on fourth injury time goal uh, of the season, which is incredible he's obviously an, an asset but better from the bench that's Gary Monk unbeaten against Bielsa three wins <laughs> and a draw so it, it's no fluke and we talk about what Leeds are doing badly maybe at the moment well Sheffield Wednesday yeah there's it's all very well being defensively well set up and resolute but then you have to beat the press you have to get it into to good areas of the pitch dangerous areas then you've got to have the quality to to finish and they game plan was carried out brilliantly and I said it on Saturday night I, I loved the first goal mm. I thought it was brilliant from Bannon and a uh, lovely slip ball from from reach across the area and the finish is absolutely delicious so well done Wednesday but yeah they'd have to replace Fletcher I would suggest to to make a run of those playoffs mm. A quick one from Ed Quoth the Raven. How did Sam react when he saw what Richie Wellens was intending to wear for EFL on Quest? Listen, I'm never going to have a go at someone for having a go. I'd much rather someone have a go than turn up and be safe. So, it's not. Hang on, you've already had a go at my jumper this No, time. I haven't. You clearly didn't listen. I like it. Okay. I right. like it. I just said you used to be quite safe, and yeah. now you're, you know, you're fully embraced in Peckham life. But <laughs> Wellens, not something I'd go for. But uh, the roll neck and the blazer, I saw Jeff Shreves and Phil Babb sporting last night on the debate. So it's obviously the route that the footballers are going down these days. But I'd rather someone be out there than be safety. <laughs> roll necks in 2020. That's the uh, that's the fashion, apparently. Uh, speaking of the AFL on Quest, you can find it on Freeview Channel 12, Freesat 167, Sky 144, Virgin 217, or just go online at questod.co.uk. Let's look ahead to a couple of the bigger games going down this weekend, starting at Craven Cottage, where Fulham take on Middlesbrough, the Friday night game. Uh, is that an advantage for, for Scott Parker's team? Do you think Samborough played on Tuesday while the, the Whites have had a free week? Yeah, you'd have to say so. 
we saw Brentford getting off to a flying start as well last weekend, putting pressure on West Brom and Leeds. I think that maybe has a, a slight effect. Maybe in the recovery for, for Mitrovic, letting him have a, a free week because that's a, a big issue going into this game. No goals in three coming into this one. Is he OK? Because Parker was worried, wasn't he, that he, he was going to be out for a while? Yeah, it looks he came down on his ankle, I think, and the possible replacements at the moment are, are sparse. You're talking Kamara's uh, been out with a knock. Uh, Cavaliero has played there. Uh, Bobby Reed, obviously, he's been in decent goal scoring form, but not as a, a striker. And I know he's done it as a as a one before at Bristol City, but probably better with a partner in my eyes. And the, the only other option on the bench at Hull at the weekend was um, Jay Stansfield, who is Adam Stansfield's son, if you remember, who who uh, yeah, passed course, away yeah. from bowel cancer in, in 2010. Was at Exeter, joined Fulham in the summer. He's got 23 goals in the academy teams and. Uh, that was his first taste of being around the first team. So that shows you, you know, just how light they are in that department. I'm not suggesting they throw this young man into a championship game, but that's a big problem. But um, obviously the biggest takeaway, I think, from Fulham's uh, win at the weekend was just the defensive solidity. He ended with six defenders on the pitch. Scott Parker, which he's been criticised for not being proactive enough during games, going with Adoy and Christie at fullback, so maybe losing a little bit offensively, being a bit more secure. And Kevin McDonald, last league start of the season against Barnsley on the opening day, uh, he was immense at the weekend, and it's something we've spoken about a lot, um, being a little bit lightweight in the middle. So uh, defensively looking a lot better. Can they find someone to to get the goals on Friday? In terms of Borough, Clarkie, mm. first of all, were they, do you reckon they'll stay in London? <laughs> it's only a couple Probably, of days. Yeah. Oh, they are. Abby says they are staying okay. in London. Oh, well, that's a good Sensible. Training makes, at yeah, Palace. Makes sense to me. It's, it's like a little mini break. Good for team team morale as well. Obviously, some of the wives and girlfriends will be fuming. but, but Some will just, be delighted. <laughs> yeah, some will be <laughs> delighted. No, I think that's a, that's a smart move from Jonathan Woodgate. Look, they did okay, didn't they, against Spurs? They, they made a fight of it. Pride intact after that FA Cup defeat. Across the last 10 games in the Championship, they're top. They're the best team in the Championship across the last 10 games, which is amazing, really. But I did, I've, I've sort of said all along that I, thought, I felt that Middlesbrough were better than their results were suggesting. I think that that's, that's coming, to, coming to bear now. I like the three at the back system. The, the issue they've got, they've lost Ayala, haven't they? And, and it means that they've got McNair back in the back three. You've also got Johnny Housen in the back three. And, for me, both of those guys are better in midfield. McNair's been outstanding in, in midfield. He's played in a number of positions, but he's been great in midfield this year. So that worries me because Fulham's strength is obviously in the, with the front three. Cavalero's on, on top form at the moment, curling goals in for fun. So, so that's a concern for them. But Wing is playing great. He's a, he's a good technician. The right wing back, we talked about Fulham's left there being a little bit unbalanced at the weekend, but solid. You've got this Jed Spence, who, who's really caught my eye of late uh, at right wing back. I think he's a he's a name to keep your eye on. But the biggest plus for me is the form of the front guys. They, they've suddenly got the bit between their teeth, haven't they? Fletcher scoring good goals, Gested roughing up defenders again. So, so I think this is a really interesting game, really interesting, because I, th- I look at both um, forward lines and think that they can really hurt the other teams back line so I, I, I expect goals here actually yeah looking forward to that one on Friday night meanwhile at the Den it's going down between Millwall and Reading uh, to paraphrase the Kaiser Chiefs I predicted Rowett would be a success but I didn't think he'd have this big of an impact and uh, Millwall start the day within a point of the playoffs what's he done Sam to change it so dramatically well a, a change of system that we, we've spoken about already but 
not stuck to that system. We've seen him revert to four four two. We saw him do it early against against Luton, but they're playing more football out from the back. They're playing into to midfield. Uh, Malumbai, who I've spoken about already, has been very important in that. I think the confidence levels seem to be sky high at the moment, improving individual players as well. I think there's been a huge change, really, and also freeing up their best player, Jed Wallace, in a different position. He's playing in a front three, but it's a free role. He can go wherever he pleases, and that's obviously been... Uh, the biggest thing for them offensively. He's doing a terrific job and the 2-1 reverse at Reading was Mark Bowen's first home game in charge uh, of them and it was Rowett's third game in charge. So they have both changed the systems since then, Reading and, and Millwall. And obviously, to great success, the big problem for Millwall is Williams sent off. He's missing for three games now and they have no central midfielders at all. Ben Thompson's uh, out injured. There's no Aidan O'Brien at the moment who could possibly fit in there young lad Billy Mitchell could play or they're going to have to play someone out of position unless they can bring someone in before the weekend and with the way Redden have been going with Charlie Adam believe it or not alongside Pele and John Swift playing as a 10 <laughs> the middle of the pitch is a um, is maybe where the game can be won at the weekend so that's a big concern, I think, for Millwall. All right, so that's that's Millwall, Reading-wise, Clarky. Um, they made my son cry at football for the first time oh, yeah. last week. Well, really, it was me when Jeff Sterling <laughs> threw over to the to the Madstad and I screamed, no, uh, because of Tobias Figueiredo's own goal. It meant Reading haven't lost in seven. And like Millwall, actually, their decision to change the manager has proved justified. And, and we're quite quick to jump on clubs when they do sack and, and change the manager mid-season as poor planning. But sometimes it's the best idea. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it is working for Reading at the moment. I'd say it's a complete transformation, isn't it? I mean, Gomez wanted to play expansive football three at the back, passing through the lines. It was all about possession. Not that bothered about possession, is he, Bowen? It's, it's a very different setup. Four-two-three-one. Two solid players in there, as you've alluded to, of Adam and Pele, or is it Pedro Ribeiro? I don't know. <laughs> don't, never know what to what, what to call him. But um, what's worked brilliantly for them, from what I can see over the last few weeks, is down the left with, with Blackett and uh, Ajaria, who who I think is a player. I really really like his work. Obviously, Swift has been scoring goals as as well for them. Um, so no, it's it, they're flying, aren't they? They're top of the six-game form table, Reading. So, so they're 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 certainly on the charge. But yeah, Ajaria. What I think was happening earlier on, and, and they will do this on occasion. They'll they'll use maybe Pele as the holder with Ajaria and Swift in front. That's what the system was before. And I think Sam was the first one I heard to say, "Is that a little bit? Is that a little bit fancy? Without the ball, is that is that robust enough? Well, what's happened is they've got another body in there in Charlie Adam and just got Swift there in front and they've moved Ajaria to the left. And he's been brilliant in terms of his step-overs and creation, uh, forming a good combination, actually, with Tyler Blackett, who might go to Turkey, I'm hearing. He's been linked with a, with a move to a couple of big clubs over there. So that would be a shame for them. But, yeah, no, Reading going in the right direction. I think he's getting the best out of the players. And, yeah, I like them in a back three, to be honest, um, previously when I saw them. But it's working better with a back four. They're not conceding goals. They won at Preston. That's a great result. They won at Fulham. Why can't they go to the new den and win at Millwall? 
Uh, we spoke to Mark Bowen's predecessor, Jose Gomez, about his time in Berkshire and the way he was able to rebuild the relationship with the club and the fans. When I arrived in, in Reading, the club was completely destroyed regarding the, the ambition, the, the hope. And the way that we start working, the way that we start to organise the team, the way that step by step the hope level growed, the fans start coming more and more and more to the stadium. It was a mix of the, the things. And we, like a manager, we cannot, we cannot forget that if the club exists, it's because in the past the fans organize themselves and they create the club. So they are the, the foundation. So we must respect them. And if we play good football, attractive football, nice football, of course, if we win, it's better. Normally, it's the most important thing. But if we play good football, we have more people in the stadium. And it's amazing when you have more people in the stadium, when you feel the support from, from your fans. And what happened in Reading was a mix of the, the two things. I take care of this point. I demand from my players to respect them. And the fans uh, like like it. And, and they start coming more and more. It was very nice end of the season last season. We also spoke to him about whether he thinks he'll be returning to managing in England. I, I really believe that I will have my space in the future in the English football. I, I feel it. I feel it. Maybe not next season, but uh, very soon I will be there again. And I will be there uh, even stronger than I'm feeling right now or when I felt when I work in Reading. Because now I, I really know what happened in the English football and what happened around the English football. So I, I think it was a fantastic experience that gave to me the opportunity to, to be even stronger and prepare to, to deal with, with the, the, the challenge that um, the English football uh, brings. For more of what Jose had to say, head over to the totallyfootballshow.com. Super Joe Crilly, odds on those championship games, if you wouldn't mind. How about the Friday night game? Fulham favourites against Middlesbrough? Yeah, yeah, they're, uh, they're odds on, but only slightly. They are uh, four to five to win the match, uh, with Middlesbrough 100 to 30 and the draw five to two. Millwall Reading, I think this is going to be a draw. What will you give me on that? Uh, well, it's quite a short price, actually, for the draw. It's just a shade above 2-1. to one. Millwall are slight favourites to win at home at 11-10, to 10, with Reading 27-10. to 10. And we've spoken about Leeds choking. Have their price to get promoted, has that changed significantly because of recent events? It's drifted a little bit. They're still very much uh, the favourites to go up. They're still an incredibly short price at 1-12, to 12, but they have been as short as 1-25 to 25 this season to get promoted. So that price just drifting a little bit, and Leeds fans will certainly be getting a, a little nervous, I imagine. Terrific. Hey, League One, get ready. You're our next port of call. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30, new online customers only. Minimum £10 stake, win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets, 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply.
Tales from the third tier include Paul Warren, top of the league for the first time in his managerial career, his Rotherham side above Wickham on goal difference. Ipswich won at the weekend for the first time in eight and swiftly followed that up with a 0-0 at Oxford on Tuesday. The Tractor Boys now just two points off the top two. And it's all very tight in the middle like a Richie Wellens turtleneck. Five points separate Burton in sixth and Lincoln in 15th. It really is vintage League One. Three fixtures on Tuesday night. Oxford versus Ipswich, as we said, was goalless. Uh, but Sam, there was what you delightfully referred to as a water delay. I think my nan had one of those a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I've been in Oxfordshire for a couple of nights and it was... What have you been doing? I've been away at a spa. That's yeah, very nice. With my girlfriend. I thought the skin looked radiant, actually. Oh, I had a glorious day yesterday. Yeah, face yeah. back? Just... No, I just um, I had a treatment on the the previous day, just yesterday. Just had your nails done? No, I had a massage. Um, (laughs) Just in and out of sleep yesterday, listening to podcasts, just reclining next to the pool. It was it was sensational. Um, (laughs) But there was a lot of wind and rain outside, and uh, a friend of mine was going to the game, and I was like, "No chance that's going to be on." Well, if it's on, that is not one going to be going to be one for us purists. Mm. And uh, that's how it proved. They were taken off for 17 minutes. 18 minutes, I understand, in the first half. So 18 minutes added on. Um, it had a bit of an effect on the football, as you would uh, anticipate, because Oxford play good stuff and like to play out. Well, they couldn't last night because of the conditions and because of Ipswich's high-intensity pressing game now, I suppose, with the two strikers and, and Judge uh, playing as a number 10 means they can go and get after teams. And I think that's something maybe missing from Oxford's game where they can go a little bit longer uh, with Mackie and um, obviously Taylor, the two front players that they they alternate between. Um, I think that's a bit uh, of an issue for them at, at times. And and the biggest, the most contentious thing in the game last night was a potential penalty on Norwood in the first half from the returning uh, Messino's foul, which, which wasn't given. And uh, Lambert felt that should have been a penalty. So I think on the face of it, Considering the result of the weekend, that's a fantastic result for Ipswich, who are showing great powers of recovery. Also in midweek, Burton Albion beat the McDonald's courtesy of Liam Boyce's 14th goal of the season and Lincoln Wallet Bolton 5-1. Sorry, Joe, you're just looking forward to next season now. Yes, I am indeed. The, the little run of three uh, three wins in a row seems an incredibly long time ago and the fans are starting to turn, turn on the manager, believe it or not. On the, the message boards now, you, you kind of see uh, some fans turning on the manager and the other fans placating or trying to placate those by uh, saying, well, at least we've still got a club. But I think there's some who think that uh, uh, that isn't quite enough and that we should be at least putting up a bit more of a fight uh, in this uh, almost inevitable uh, slide towards League Two. Yeah, it was a mountain to climb and you got a hill to do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, to the weekend then, and more specifically to the keep moat, Doncaster Rovers versus Coventry City. Coventry in the playoff places, Doncaster just outside after winning three on the spin, keeping clean sheets in all of those games. A couple of late goals won their game at Brizzle Rovers last week. Uh, Adrian, Darren Moore's men, really stepped up and, and as the season's gone on you can see more and more his influence yeah definitely I've been impressed with the the run that they've been on 13 points from the last six only three goals conceded so they've they've, they've been very tight the shape of the team has been good you can see that he's worked on that and I think I think they've stumbled on a really good central midfield partnership in, in, in Whiteman and Sheaf I remember Ben Sheaf as a young player coming through at Arsenal and he, he's played at as a striker he's played as a centre half and now he's playing in midfield and and I, I was looking at, at the game against Bristol Rovers and one of the goals that Doncaster scored in the game 
it, it was beautiful football. It was it was it was patient. It was it was calm. It was measured. Sheaf was at the heart of it. Whiteman finished it off. So I think that those two guys will be will be key men for them in this game against a Coventry team that that have good footballers, no doubt about that. This is this is two decent teams. I think that Doncaster have the advantage because because they're at home. They're, they're really strong at the keep mode. Twenty five of their thirty seven points have been there in Coventry. Just two wins or uh, yeah, two wins away from home, um, which is bizarre, really, given given that they're in the midst of a of a promotion. Race so so no, I, I'd lean towards Donny here, but but yeah, no, impressed with the work that Darren Moore's doing. He just needs a striker, a prolific striker. I think that that's where they're a little bit short. They've been linked with Okunabiri from from Shrewsbury, who we've mentioned before, and on this show, he's a, he's a handful. So and he might be the kind of player that works well. So I would say that they're a technically good team. And they're just lacking that little bit of uh, of quality in the forward areas. They've got powerful players, but maybe they need um, a little bit of nous around the box. Uh, as for Cov, Sam, only lost three times in the league all season, fewest of any side in the division. They've set up this tenants versus landlords <laughs> cup tie with Birmingham by winning their FA Cup replay against Bristol Rovers. I feel like Mark Robbins is maybe one of the most underrated managers in the EFL at the moment. Is that going a bit too far? No, I think he's a... I think he's a very good manager. I think A.D. Vivash, who we both know of his, his work, I played alongside A.D., I think he's got quite a lot to, to do with the, the setup and the way that Coventry City are playing this season because it's very different, I believe, from, from previous seasons. They're obviously playing quite an interesting system at the moment with, with that kind of box midfield, which we've seen before in the, the Chelsea Academy teams. And um, I mean, they were very lethargic against MK Dons at the weekend. And they've been so good recently, those back-to-back away 4-1 victories, with it all coming together with Matty Godden. Adrian talks about Doncaster needing a a striker. I think we've stuck to our guns this year, that Godden is the man for Coventry. He was disabled a little bit by injury recently, but I mean, he's um, obviously silenced a few critics with that. So what he did last night after the lethargic performance was he rested the front three uh, and the lads who came in, Alan O'Hare, the lad who's on loan from Villa, who's going to have that great occasion obviously playing against Birmingham that they were tremendous last night and I think that just shows you they've got real strength now Coventry City playing a nice brand of football the two most Im- important cogs in that are uh, uh, uh Darbo who we know again from Chelsea and McCallum the left wing back they completely rested last night and I think that's very interesting going into the weekend because Taylor and Sadly are the two wide boys for Doncaster have been very good recently if they can occupy the two commentary wing-backs and Doncaster can maybe get some success. But I remember watching this game early part of the season and Coventry absolutely battered mm. Doncaster at St Andrews and had to rely on a last-minute goal from Bakayoko to get a share of the spoils. And Doncaster played very much on the counter-attack. Coventry really wasteful. Can't see them being wasteful uh, again now. Uh, also this weekend, MK Dons against Sunderland. Russell Martin getting his feet under the table and his team out of the relegation zone. They did suffer their first defeat in five league games against Burton. Uh, are you seeing much improvement under the new gap? Definitely an improvement, and and I think that they will survive. I don't see them going down. And and a few weeks ago, they were definitely in that in a more perilous position. Can I just say, League One is. I think anyone from 1 to 16 could win the league. Isn't there? It's 11 points. 1 to 16. Shrewsbury in 16th. They've got two games in hand on 33. The leaders, Rotherham, on 44. It's all to play for, isn't it? Between now and the end of the season, we could see so much alter 
between now and, and the playoffs. So, so that that's mad. But no, M- MK Dons are doing well, aren't they? At the moment, he's started to. He's obviously got his strikers back. They battered Burton by all accounts last night. The shot count was frightening in their favour, yet they ended up losing. It was just one of those one of those nights for them. They've beaten three strong teams in a row at home, so they've got their confidence back at Stadium MK to beat Oxford Pompey and Bristol Rovers. And Sunderland don't really get clean sheets on the road. So so I think they've got a really live chance here of, of springing an upset. Yeah, there are options up top. I mean, can't... Oh. I've just knocked the microphone off there. Um, Carl Morris has come in from Norwich on loan, adds to the options, doesn't he? Um, so so he, if things aren't working now, Russell Martin can change it. And that was a, an option that wasn't really afforded to, to Tisdale. And, and I do like Nombe. I think he's a, he's a young player that, that, that offers them real power. They've got, they've got other types of strikers there. But he, he could be the difference between propelling them... Well, the difference between them being in a relegation battle or, or, or fighting their way up to the mid-table. Another good game to preview this one. Mm, you've got Sunderland, uh, Sam. They look to have turned a corner after the walloping of Wigan. Uh, well, this could be a League One game next term or it could be two divisions between them. Sunderland have sold 4,000 tickets for this oh. trip to uh, to Milton Keynes. Do you think that this is going to be something other than one all? Oh, um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I could see... Well, MK Dons have picked up brilliantly. I wanted to say about Ben Gladwin, the other lad they've brought in this week, who the link there will be Luke Williams, who's now assisting Russell Martin, ex-Swindon manager. Ben Gladwin was brilliant for, for Swindon for a year, 18 months, where I watched him most weeks. Something brilliant I've always felt, Adrian, about mm. a tall, elegant central midfielder. Mm. You know, he can play a variety of different positions, but it's quite unique when you've got someone well over six foot who can handle a ball and go past people fantastic ability just struggles a little bit with fitness so the Blackburn fans will be listening to this thinking what on earth am I talking about because he's he's hardly kicked a ball for them but I think that could be a brilliant signing where will he play within the the system then Uh, at the point of the the diamond I would say that the top of the diamond when I say he struggles with fitness because of his build he's someone who struggles after 70 minutes 80 minutes if he's not had uh, a run of game so might take a while to get him up to speed but certainly someone to keep an eye on Sunderland have been brilliant and you know I watched the majority of the first half the other day and it, it was done mm. obviously at, at half time against Wickham and I spoke about that temptation to hit the big centre forward and we anticipate it going to happen because it's Phil Parkinson well they're actually moving the ball incisively quickly now and yes they can still cross the ball for, for White but some of the football was was brilliant the two centre halves on the outside now are involved in this as well Flanagan and, and Willis getting involved in attacks and Tume down the left-hand side with Gooch, that relationship's blossoming. And Tume was getting, pick my words here, but he was certainly getting a bit of stick early part of the season playing as a left-back. Well, this 3-4-3 that Parkinson has settled on now seems to be getting the best out of him. And it's a system which the manager seems happy with the players and the fans, finally. And it's been <laughs> such a, a problem to critique Hurrah! Sunderland all season. And so, of course, they're going to lose games and it's how they react and if they can change the system again. But, you know... it. Didn't do too bad for Chelsea playing one way throughout a Premier League winning title season a few years ago. So they've they're looking really good. And um yeah, I think it's not too soon to start saying that a few Sunderland fans are probably eating a, a little bit of humble pie, but let's see what happens. Win their game in hand. They're three points off the top 
this you know this is a Sunderland that that have apparently been awful this season so it's mad isn't it League One is good fun I think that's what we can um, surmise from that those League One games then Joe uh, we mentioned Coventry's away form hasn't been great what, what price them to get the win at Doncaster this weekend they're thirteen to eight so very very slight outsiders to win the game Doncaster six to four uh, with the draw five to two. And MK Dons against Sunderland, I'm guessing the away side of the favourites here. Yeah, and you can get a little bit of odds against, which I uh, I find surprising given their recent form. They're 21 to 20 to get the win. Uh, MK Dons 5 to 2 and the draw the same price. Uh, we've spoken about how tight it is, I was going to say at the top, but really from the top to nearly the bottom of League One. Who are the favourites for promotion as we speak before this weekend's games? Yeah, this is a, an ever-changing market with uh, seemingly different teams at the top of the, the betting each week. But at the moment, it's Rotherham who hold that position. They're even money to get promotion. Ipswich and Oxford both 7-4 to four with Coventry, uh, a fraction of a price behind uh, at 15-8. to eight. Sunderland then at 9-4, to four, Portsmouth 5-2. to two. I could go on and on all the way down to probably Burton at 11-2 to 2 in, the, in the promotion market. Now then, you know where we're heading next, don't you, listener? That's right, it's our old friend, League Two. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. Where the headlines are, Stevenage boss Graham Wesley ended up running to their match against Port Vale because he got stuck in traffic. It was a five-mile jog, so whilst he may not have got the win, at least he got some fresh air. Uh, speaking of being all close together in that, there are five teams on 44 points in League Two. Five, Cheltenham, Crew, Plymouth, Bradford and Forest Green Rovers. Goal difference really could be worth an extra point come the end of the season. Off the pitch, a winding up petition against Macclesfield Town has been adjourned until March 25th. A lawyer representing the club told the judge they intend to sell shares and an offer has been accepted. So that palaver continues. And shout out to Quest reporter Dan O'Hagan for this line. You wouldn't let Salford walk your dogs the amount of time they've lost leads. Two games took place on Tuesday night. Morecambe beat Port Vale 2-1 after scoring twice in the first 12 minutes. That just their fifth win of the season in the league. It means there's three points between them and bottom side. Stevenage, Stevenage, by the way, drew 0-0 with Oldham. Unconfirmed if Wesley ran to that one. Uh, in terms of the weekend, Newport County against Swindon Town is the one we're going to focus on. It's at Rodney Parade, which gives me the chance to say Rodney Parade. Uh, Newport, boy, did they need that win at Scunthorpe last weekend, Adrian. The Exiles first in the league since they won the reverse game back in October. Yeah, it was huge, but but it was preceded by a great win in the Leasing.com trophy against MK Dons. And I looked at the starting lineup that, that he put out for that game and it, it was really strong. And it just it shows the value of still being in that kind of competition. It can be the springboard for you know to 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 give you or to restore confidence. So so well done them for 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 getting back into it. Flynn is under pressure, and I think the cracks are have begun to show. He I read some quotes that. He's been getting really wound up by some of the fans on social media. He, he's got it in for a hundred or so of them on social media that have clearly got their knives out for him. And, and some of the fans he's bumped into, he, he's criticised their sort of opinions, which I always think is a, is a dangerous thing to do. You've you got to be careful. He's a local lad, I know, and he should be regarded as a... As a, as a local hero, really, he saved saved the club from relegation. He's brought nothing but good times until now, but the cracks have shown. The four four two diamond it appears to be appears to be working for them. But what they did last time out is is go back to three four one two. For me, Newport 
have to be brave here and play two up top and just rattle opponents. That That is, in my opinion, their best policy. They're not a pretty team. They haven't got ball players. Rodney Parade gives me another excuse to say it. Rodney Parade is a bad pitch. It's always been an awful, muddy, sticky pitch. You've got to go big, especially against a football inside like Swindon. I expect them to boom it in, in this game and, and play the percentage game. You look at the goals they scored against Scunthorpe in, in that victory. They were scruffy goals. They both came from, from long balls. So so this will be a, a proper clash of styles. And uh, if Newport are going to win it, they need to uh, make it an ugly game. Mm. Sam, how are you feeling confidence-wise about, about your old boys at the moment? They're, they're top of the table. They're nine points clear of fourth-place crew, but they've played two games more. Uh, are, you, are you thinking that it is going to be League One football for the Robins next season? Well, I hope so. I'm nervous about it because obviously they've lost Owen Doyle and they're down to the bare bones at the moment. So Nine points, eh? Yeah, yeah. but I'm, I'm a little bit apprehensive because I think it's big that he gets a few additions in, in this window. That was an amazing result at the weekend. Amazing result because Crewe are a very good side. They started the game brilliantly. I thought Swindon were going to be really under pressure and... And Richie Wellen spoke about, I think that's the first time he's ever played a, a back three. I think he said that, started a game, starting a game, which is um, which is incredible. And he did it a little bit for the su- su- surprise factor uh, and also because crew have struggled against front twos this season whenever they faced them. So I thought tactically excellent again. And whatever he's done tactically, whatever way they set up, they've got results. Jerry Yates playing as the the number nine gets an amazing goal. Wonderful ball from the left-hand side. Great movement. And the finish is a man who is full of confidence, even though I wouldn't say he's played second fiddle, but he hasn't played loads of football down the middle. Now, that they've got a centre-half in already this week, which is the area where they're really struggling. That back three at the weekend consisted of Cadiz, who's a right-back, uh, Anthony Grant is a central midfielder and Broadbent who's played very little football this season and going into this game touching on what Adrian said mm-hmm. Broadbent is a monster aerially very physical ex-military <laughs> I believe he'll, he'll fancy that against against Newport against Jamil Matt in particular he'll be able to handle the Newport artillery yeah and I'm not sure <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> Pause for that. <laughs> Sensational. Um, they have brought in Ramani Edmonds-Green from Huddersfield, a young kid, so I'm not sure how much he'll be rubbing his hands together at the prospect, his first game being at um, Rodney Parade. But, yeah, I expect Swindon to go up, but I'd really like them to get a high-caliber striker and maybe one more defensive reinforcement in the next couple of weeks. Newport against Swindon then, Joe. I've been favouring away wins, it would seem, so far today. I'm guessing uh, this is the the most likely outcome, according to William Hill here. Uh, Yeah, again, uh, an odds against price and quite a a tempting price for me. 27 to 20, uh, Swindon are to get the win. Newport 2 to 1 with the draw uh, just a little bit bigger than that at 23 to 10. Super point. Well, that's just about it for this week. But before we go, there's just time for the never tedious what are the chaps up to this weekend section. Clark, are you working or are you going back to Pepper Pig World? <laughs> no, I'm working. And uh, yeah, in in the Premier League, uh, Arsenal against Sheffield United, I'll be commentating on that one. So uh, yeah, interesting game. But no, no EFL action in person for me. Sam? I haven't got a game at the moment for the weekend. I am working, I believe, but I'm yet to be uh, given, oh, allocated. So... Uh, don't know. Fulham v Middlesbrough Friday night to kick things off and then um, some form of soccer on Saturday I presume. Lovely stuff. Uh, Caroline's back next week. I'll speak to you in a fortnight. Bye for now.
you've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Join Ruby Walsh, Paddy Power, Tom Nugent and a whole host of great guests each week on Paddy Power's new racing podcast, From the Horse's Mouth. Tune in for analysis, interviews and a bit of crack from the greatest trio since salt, vinegar and chips, but marginally less unhealthy. The first episode is out now. Muddy Knees Media.